Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Then I hit record and we synopsize the show and talk about anything and everything else that it might lead us to think about. This week, my guest is Wesley Slade. Wesley is a musical theater guy, he's a terrific singer, an award-winning actor, an improviser, a puppeteer, a fellow theme park uh, employee. We've done legitimate theater together, and uh, more importantly than that, Wesley is actually one of my closest friends. We watched season three, episode three, entitled A Baby in the House, which had an original air date of November 11th, 1981. That's all really I have. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Wesley Slade. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh from a play somewhere that he did at a <laughs> thing somewhere, I'm sure, in South Florida, Wesley Slade! Hello, yes. That's our please, studio. Thank you. Thank That's, you. No, sit down, really. Sit down, You please. don't need to. <laughs> no, just because I said thank you does not mean you have to stop applauding. Oh, um, no. um, welcome, Wesley. Hey. It's really nice to meet you. What's up? You know, we don't spend enough time together, I think. <laughs> it feels like we don't know each other. Uh, exactly. Well, we'll we have the, That's what the getting to know you section is for. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you and I are actually very good friends. Yeah. And we, uh, you are among a, a sort of inner sanctum mm -hmm. that I have not invited to be on the show. Yeah. And and I can sense and tell from all of you, you're like, you haven't asked me to be on your fucking show. No, we only talk about it every day. But like... <laughs> when I'm not in the room, thank goodness. No, no. It's like, uh, no, no. I mean, we, as David always tells us, um, no, I can use you guys anytime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you and it's are, true. You're my safety net. I've got you right. in my back pocket. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Did you watch The Facts of Life? Did you have any familiarity with the show before I exposed you to it? When I was a kid, um, I don't know. I might be wrong in this. Am I your first like millennial on the show? Am I your first like... I, you might be the youngest person I've had on the show. Born after 1990? Yeah, I just did a quick uh, run-through of all the people I've had on the show, and you are the youngest at the ripe young age of 26s? How old yes, are you? Yes, 26s. 26s. Um, <laughs> at 6s and 7s. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, you would you would not be a person that I would say. So did you watch it in the first run? Right. No, which I did ten, not. Ten years before you were born, I was dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was not alive. Um, no, I. Um, but the thing is, I grew up especially in golden age of TV Land and Nick at Night. Yes, true. Nick at Night, the place where TV hits. Ding. <laughs> like that's what I remember. Um, and you Even, see, that was a little bit after my time, mm. but you realize when Nick at Night rose to its, I was like, I literally have seen all of these shows already. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, Nick at Night was just this wonderful, singular place to find it, as opposed yeah. to when I was growing up, it was flipping back and forth between UHF stations. Right, sure, and, sure. And I'm making, for those who can't see us, which is everyone, <laughs> I'm making the physical movement of turning an actual chunk, 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 chunk physical Flickering. knob. 
And of course, the UHF had so many channels. You would go really fast, yeah, and really, yeah. you know, zip through, fast, and always a parent. You're gonna break that knob. <laughs> my dad would yell at me. You're gonna break the TV. That's so. You know what's so funny is that my, a lot of people um love love to say and assume, and it's and it's fair enough. They're like, oh well, you weren't born yet, or you don't know this thing, or you don't know that thing, and that's fair. But I was born and raised in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And so, and I was born in 1993, mm-hmm. and so that means it was about 1983 in Mississippi. <laughs> and and this show was still on. Yeah, the show exactly. ran until '88. Well, and so, but a big thing was like even with those TVs and stuff. I remember my grandparents like they owned a tire shop, and I'd have to like go and hang out like during the day, and they had those TVs still, and I would like like with all of them, and they'd say the same thing like you keep turning that damn thing, gonna break it, you know. Absolutely. But um, with the show... Um, so it was on Nick at Night, and that's when you were exposed well, to it? Um, no, not at all. Okay. Um, it was a show that would come on, and I always knew... <laughs> the facts of life. The facts. I knew that. But I never watched it, ever. Um, because it was just one of those shows that would come on and go, oh, this isn't... This isn't Brady Bunch. This isn't Flipper. This is a girl show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, I didn't appreciate any shows like that until I got older. Like, I love the Golden Girls now. Yeah. Because that's hilarious. But like, even then, it's a different kind of thing. Never seen Designing Woman. Yeah. Not um, Facts of Life didn't really have a young straight boy demographic. Yeah. It was really families, girls, and gay boys like me and Matthew right. and Paul. And uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so before we get into the actual episode, I always ask my guest... Wesley Slade, will you please give me a one to two sentence synopsis of this episode? Oh, okay. This episode was entitled A Baby in the House. A Baby in the House. Past student and friend comes back with small baby, almost born in disgrace, but not because she was married, so it's okay. Um, Abandons baby with the students, her former friends. Because uh, it's awful to be a mother. Mm -hmm. Children taking care of said baby now realize how awful it is to be a mother. (laughs) Mother comes back and gives a dramatic speech about how awful it is to be a mother and takes the baby back. And then I think she kills herself. Yeah. No, no, different episode. Are you sure? I don't know. I didn't watch that episode, but Uh, like (laughs) that that's... not to I, get ahead of myself, but at the end, I was like, Are, you are not yeah. happy. <laughs> I mean, if there were an epilogue after the credits, I would not have been shocked if it was like, Emily drove off a cliff yeah. on the way home. Yeah. It was like... like not, I was, I'm not, again, not I, to get ahead oof, of myself, wow. but that's exactly what I thought. That soon. is morbid, but I do not think we are uh, off base. I think that is coffee. more than a distinct possibility, and that is horrifying, but it's, it's totally in line with the episode. Yeah. Um, I love how you spoke that in almost like it was a teletype or a telegram (laughs) type of thing. Said baby returns. Mother says motherhood is terrible. Stop. Bring baby back to peak skill. Stop. (laughs) Preteen sex. Stop. Um, It's real. So, yes. So, getting right into it here. We have got um, preparations underway. A very Mm -hmm. common thing in season one. We haven't really relied on that much in season two and now season three we've we've backslid a little because these these first three shows of season three are not as strong as some of the ones in season two so curious so this is season three we're in season three oh we're, okay good. In, 
third episode of season three. So I don't know what I'm watching. You don't know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got a lot of preparations going on, mm-hmm. and Blair comes in talking about all the fancy French cuisine that is in the process of being made for whatever this thing is that we're putting out tablecloths for, and Mrs. Garrett has flowers yes, in yes. her hand. And um, uh, the exposition, uh, tell the uh, shorthand that sitcom writers do so, so mediocrely <laughs> in these shows, we, we have is Joe says, huh, I can't believe you're getting all this French cuisine just because your friend Allison is coming back. When my friend Darlene came here, all she got was a Twinkie. And then uproarious laughter. Uproarious. Because a Twinkie, that's a funny word. Twinkie's a funny word. Never not funny. Yeah. Um, also, wh- she said something like, um, oh, well, I forget exactly all the food that they had, but it's like, this food is simmering, and this is doing that, and they yeah, say, they- and the chocolate mousse is moosing. Moosing, yeah. Again, uproarious laughter. Yeah. They had, whoever the warm-up comic was for this show <laughs> was clearly, vi- he he needed a, a, a raise. <laughs> Rolled up blazer. Hey, guys, ready to hear some shitty jokes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just had my mullet remulleted, and my shoulder pads rotated. Um so, yes, so this is what we learn is that there's this girl named Allison who is coming back to school, and we haven't seen her, say all the other girls, since she got married, since she left school, got married, and had a baby. Natalie is like, oh, you're going to love her, and she left just before you got here. Um... No. Yeah. See, again, I haven't seen anything. Yeah. So I wouldn't know. But you would be safe to assume we have never seen nor heard of this entity known oh. as Allison ever before. That's kind of what I thought for some reason. I was like, either she was in the first episode and nope. they cut her out or... Nope. Yeah. And like we, Matthew Arter and I talked about missed opportunities. Who? In Matthew who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Is he funny? Is uh, Matthew and Wesley are friends also. We will go on record saying <laughs> hey, Matt. that. Hi, Matthew. We love you. Um, we talked about the missed opportunity in the suicide episode, how, how much more mm. effective it could have been if they had used one of the girls from season one that had been let go when oh, they revamped the show. Sure. They had four to choose from. And we did see them periodically. They'd kind of pop into season two. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it, it would have been weird to make this one of them, but, oh, it would have been great. Yeah. And let's let's reverse engineer this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Later in the episode, they say the baby is six months old. We uh, Okay, spoiler alert. We're going to meet Allison, and she's going to bring her baby. Yeah. Uh, the baby is said to be six months old. And they do talk about the fact that, well, she's got everything because she's wealthy. Right. She has a husband and a baby now. And somebody alludes to the fact that, yeah, I hear that it didn't happen in that order. Yeah, the wedding was shotgun. Right. And so it's like, okay, now wait a minute. Let's go back then. If the wedding was shotgun, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time. I feel like we saw Nancy later in this. I feel like they might have, could have. It would have had to have been Nancy or Sue Ann because Cindy and Molly are too young. But the thing is, she does also say, do you know what I got for my 17th birthday? A playpen. Right. So we know that she had this baby when she was 16. And we know that Blair and Joe are 17 now. 
So she is 17 also, let's say, because the baby's only six months old. So I get a sense you're adding math into this. I am. And, um... and I know actors like you, his, <laughs> Wesley's eyes have just glazed over. But let's, let's get this shit out of the way now, okay? The deal is she is clearly of the same class as Blair and Joe. Yes. And let's get back to, okay, final, final word on this sidebar is they maybe could have made an effort to make it Nancy or Sue Ann, that ship might have sailed because they yeah. wouldn't have predicted this when they were kind of peppering Nancy and Sue Ann into right. the shows that earlier. But, oh, it would have been so effective. I see what you're saying. Because well, it could have been. Well, whenever she came in and she was like, you know, giving her whole uh, spiel. Well, uh, whoever this actress is who played her um, is really good. Heather Kerr or Carr, K-E-R-R. Carr. She was very good. Mm-hmm. Um I will say that I get a sense of with some of these actresses and uh, at this time, and of course even nowadays, you know, it depends on what you're watching. Um, I see like the acting classes they took. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, and the like, coaching is there. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it, you know, as an actor. Yeah. Um, the last credit Heather Carr has on her IMDb page is, uh, oh, she was the acting coach Oh, on Moesha, go. she herself was an acting coach. <laughs> well, there you go. Look at that. On Moesha from Moesha. 96 to 98. As an actress, um, she only has a few credits after Facts of Life. She's got Trapper John, Mama's Family, Superior Court. Um, she did stuff. the she did the voice of Kathy's Last Resort. Is that Kathy the comic strip Kathy? Oh, I have no idea. And then Garfield, His Nine Lives. So she hasn't, she doesn't have an IMDb credit. She was in a Garfield cartoon? I think so. And then she made it. <laughs> I love Garfield. 1988, though. So that was literally um, 30 years ago. I was dead. Um, <laughs> so then Allison arrives. And here's Allison with her little wicker bassinet with her baby in it. Um, that that wicker bassinet. Again, I was like, what year was this? 82. Okay. No, I eight, mean, late, late 81. I'm late sorry. 81. Well, I mean, I guess I can still see that because, again... Um, the 80s didn't come to Mississippi till the 90s. So I, it looked so familiar to me. I was like, God, this reminds me of my grandma's house in Mississippi like when I was oh, a yeah. kid. Like the way it was decorated, the way, like the furniture and that wicker basket, stuff like that. Yeah. It was all like just kept. It's yeah. still at my oh, grandma's yeah. house. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. 80s were ugly, the yeah. decor and stuff. <laughs> Some of the some of the fun stuff was really fun, but the sort of remedial stuff was ugh, gross. Nowadays, you wouldn't have that basket. Like you know, your baby's gonna catch fire if you put him uh, ex- in that thing. Exactly. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll fireproof it with pesticides. Gonna kill that baby. <laughs> um, but when we meet her, it is clear Allison and Blair are the people who are the closest. That Allison, mm-hmm. being the same age as Blair, and clearly of comparable privilege. Allison and Blair, it's all Blairy Pie, Allykins. I hated that. And Joe was like, I want to throw up. Like, it was bad. I wanted to blow my brains out. I hated it. It It's (laughs) brought back, like, five times through the, the, they do it again, Allykins, Blairy Poo. Yeah. And again, that has to, I I know that that's a thing with friends. Sometimes they have nicknames for each other and stuff. Um I find it so odd. I just find it it's, to be an odd, like... Uh, it's a sitcom trope where you yeah. need to quickly establish rapport, relationship, history. Mm. Because um, what we've been discussing here, the the thing that is so glaringly off about this episode is that 
It's not just she's a friend of Blair's. She is a former Eastland student. Tootie and Natalie talk about her like they are intimately acquainted with her and her shenanigans. Right. And Mrs. Garrett as well. And it's like, all right, we're in the third year. Yeah. We're beginning our third year of spending time with these characters. And it's like, you've never mentioned her or no. spoken of her. Yeah. And yet you are all so familiar with her. Yeah. It's like, oh, remember when she did this? I wrote down my favorite thing. Uh... She goes, uh, oh, yeah, and that time she went skinny dipping in the pool. What a pistol. Yeah. And I, and again, I was like, in these old vaudeville Jewish writers, what a pistol yeah. she was. <laughs> <Yes>. Hey. <laughs> I was like, um, you're, you're like 16-year-old girl? What yeah. a pistol. Yeah, she was a humdinger. <laughs> um, it, true. So true. And we often cite that on the show, yeah, as oh, you it's, know. Yeah, it's real. Um, and through the whole show. I exactly. Can, yeah. Um, so blah, blah, blah. What basically happens in this scene is that we learn that she has married this boy, David. He is often away at medical school. We know that her parents bought them a condominium for a wedding present. Right. So she clearly comes from a family of privilege mm-hmm. where she has her home purchased and paid for. Mm-hmm. Her husband is in school, in medical school. So a lot of the emphasis on time is on making room for him to be able to be a student. Oh, yeah. Absolutely appropriate. Medical school is a... Yeah, to make money for your uh, you know, newborn baby. And, yeah. Yeah, sure. But So the idea is that she stays home <clears throat> with the baby, and they're clearly in a position where they don't have to work. Yes. It's not... And she's dressed really nice, too. Yeah. Like, she's dressed and... in, like, this really nice, like, a, I don't know. And typical for the 1980s, she's dressed like she's 38 years old. Yes. Yeah. Young girl, for some reason, the fashion... Everybody looked like a 38-year-old secretary. Well, <laughs> she she definitely read older. Like, yeah. You know, not only having the baby and coming in and being dressed up, you know, nice and stuff. Yeah. But um, a part of me wondered whether that was the fashion of the time or whether that was her going, I'm a mom now and I have to dress and be a certain way. A little bit, yeah. You know? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but what what is implied is that while Allison was at Eastland... She was somewhat of a free spirit, that she would go off with boys. There's talk of her going on a date and not coming back till three days later. Mm -hmm. How that didn't get her expelled, I don't know. What a tomato. (laughs) (laughs) And, and of course, uh, clearly, fucking boys conceiving a baby. Oh, my God. What a... What a harlot. You what know, a... that doesn't happen a lot, <laughs> is the thing. So they fawn over the baby, and the baby is very cute. Very cute And baby. um, we have... Uh... When, the, when she brought in the baby, all you saw was the bassinet, and so I thought, oh, they're going to pull a, look at the baby, and then do a cutaway shot of the and baby. Hu- and then yeah, like, huddle around it like I, they like, do. I literally wrote down in my notes, no visible baby. Yeah. And then as soon as I finished writing that, they pull him out, and I put... Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. No, they had an actual baby for this. And yeah. cute. And one of the cute babies, not one of the ugly babies you see on yeah, TV. Yeah, not one of those mini ugly babies. Uh, yeah. So there is talk of, well, Emily, are you going to go back to school? There's. They don't say specifically, did she graduate Eastland? I think she didn't. Yeah, I, think I don't she think she did. she doesn't have her diploma yet. Yeah. So, and her response is just, we're just fixated on David finishing med school, yada, yada. And everyone's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. This is the lemonade you make out of the lemons of conceiving a child on, out of wedlock, unplanned, and you have clearly a very large amount of money and privilege at your disposal. Right. And then um, uh, Natalie is standing there and she says something like, stand by your man. Like, yeah. She's talking about her mom. And again, that gets like, a really big laugh. And again, I was like... Uh. Yeah, well, Natalie's the boy crazy. Yeah. Natalie's boy crazy one. Right. And um, another reference of the time 
where one of the kids is like, ooh, uh, the baby's name is Emily. She's like, ooh, Emily's making a really weird contorted her face. And uh, is it Allison who says, well, either she's hungry or she's doing her impression of Don Rickles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, granted, he was famous that people knew his name, but... Wow, Don Rickles' references on the lips of teenage girls in 1981. Really? Right. Even, I mean, even today, like, think about, you know, a teenage girl making a joke about, I don't know, Jerry Seinfeld. And it's like, are they, why did, I don't no. think so. Yeah. Sure. Um, and the scene ends oddly with uh, Mrs. Garrett saying, well, we've prepared a feast for you. Mm-hmm. And she starts doing her, I'm speaking foreign words. Therefore, that's inherently funny. Yes. Vichyssoise and coconvin and chocolate mousse. To which she says, oh, as long as you didn't go to any trouble. Yeah. And I, watching that, I was thinking the same thing. Like, oh, this must be funny because she's doing foreign words. Uh, but also it's that delivery and the reaction. It was so slow and mm, delivered. Mm, and, you know, as we know, like in, in comedy, yeah, um, there's, there's a general rule that I don't always agree with, but generally agree with, which is louder, faster, funnier. Yeah. You know? Um, definitely not all the time, but that was a moment where like, it's a throwaway joke. Just yeah. move it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The fact that she podcast. decided to sort of savor into those words, but there are so, this is my joke. This scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that your Mrs. Garrett impression, Wesley? This is my Mrs. Garrett. Like she's <laughs> holding a shake weight. <laughs> That's my favorite. She it reminds me of Paul Lind, but like. Oh yeah, no, totally. Because the... Paul Lind, you just add a little bit of a southern thing, yeah. a little. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I love her. Um, yeah, she. There are there are episodes where because the characters of the girls are now so strong and so well established. Yeah. There are times where she does feel like a footnote in the action of the show. Definitely. I can see that. As opposed to this is her fucking show. Yeah, right. So sometimes there's like if you look at the scene, you you're kind of right in that well, this is I think her only funny highlighted camera on her. Yep moment to and be funny end of the scene so it's like and, this matters to me because i'm bookending this yeah and and she she you know she does okay with what she's oh, oh got yeah to work well with. it's one of those things i'm watching you know it, like we see in general in um you know in even in this town and anything mm-hmm. you see um actors who you know really great actors who are just trying to make the best of yeah. what they've been given. Oh, yeah. And you and so, I have been in those scenarios. With... No, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Every show <laughs> I do is amazing. Uh, true. Um, <laughs> so then our next scene we move on to is in the girl's bedroom. And oh, my goodness. Oh, the laughing, the reminiscing, the ha <laughs> oh, my... There was a thing you did. And, and the first thing that they did was, oh, you stole that centerfold from Mr. Green's desk. And then we put it on the, uh, the shenanigans and chicanery and Jack and Napery were the norm <laughs> in the time that we were so clearly, deeply intimate friends who did a lot of things together. Flim flam. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, wow, we're really working overtime for this. Um, and by the way, we're in the bedroom. Sombrero on the tiger. I did not see that. <laughs> Som- I, oh my God. That's what I should have called this fucking podcast. Sombrero on the tiger. Sombrero on the tiger. I'm going to put, that's going to end up on something somewhere. Sombrero be, on the tiger. You need to make a logo for it. Like, yeah. just, like at least a... I totally do. We need to totally do that. Yeah. Um, 
we know that there's a double date going on that night between Blair and Joe. Joe is doing her a favor. I have written down here, Joe wanna fuck Blair. Oh, stop. <laughs> Joe wants it. <laughs> and it's like that, just that simple of... Oh, I can't believe you's making me do this, Blair. I would never do this for anyone else except for a pussy I wanted to eat. No, I mean, my no, friend. No. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm not buying it. I'm never going to buy it. Oh, <laughs> you and many, many others have speculated what's going on there. And Blair's just like that oblivious. I'm just pretty. She's just my friend. She doesn't want me. Yeah. No, yeah, she does. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Moving on. I can, I have no more. How old is Blair at this point? Blair and Joe are both 17. How old is Blair in real life at this point? Blair is 17. Lisa Welchel is 17. Okay, then I can't say anything. No, you can't. Joe is also 17, but Nancy McKeon, the actress, is 15. She's two years younger than her character. Isn't that interesting? I can kind of see that. So this scene, we have um, Tootie crushing on Billy D. Williams. Which I found hilarious for whatever reason. Well, because it's 1981, right. and The Empire Strikes Back is literally the biggest movie in the whole wide world ever, ever. Yeah, and at this point, she even says, like, she's, like, going down the, you know, five top things that make me happy about Billy D. Williams. Oh, uh, it's, a, it's just like reading a Tiger Beat yeah. teen magazine. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, you know, the blue sky, and yeah. he's smiling. Ooh, he's so dreamy. And then, like, they say, oh, I haven't seen, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Allison? The, the girl who's here with the baby. Allison. Allison. She um, goes, oh, yeah, I haven't seen Empire Strikes Back yet. And they go, you haven't you seen what? it? You what? I will kill you. You haven't what? seen Endgame? Yeah. And she's like, um, David doesn't like me to drive after dark. Yeah. Uh, did, did you not get the impression that she's from the city? Um, like, did you, did they say where she is? They didn't. I guess I didn't think about that really. Um, As Blair's friend... And mm-hmm. as one of the privileged girls, immediately I'm connecting her to Blair. So I'm picturing her in Manhattan with Blair. Yeah, because they talk about Bloomingdale's later. Oh, yeah. Has so, she been to Bloomingdale's or come to yeah, New York? Yeah, no, she lives in the city. We, I have reason to infer that she's from the city. And she says, David doesn't like it when I drive after dark. Yeah. It's like, where do you drive after dark when well, you live in Manhattan? Even still... Um, and of course, maybe, you know, that is a cordial, like, nice, sweet thing. But also, my mind goes straight to, what, bro? You don't trust her? Yeah. You know? Oh, like, oh yeah, that's bad. That's I know, totally I'm bad. I'm like, that's, and, but then, like, Tootie and Natalie uh, just go, ooh, does he have a brother? Yeah, and, we And, like, Tootie actually goes, oh, he doesn't let her drive after dark. Yeah. Like, it's the best thing ever. And I was like, I um, agree. That is, um... Not okay. No, I, under, I understand. That's controlling and a red. Uh, that's a, a red flag for an abusive relationship. Right. Now, actually, now I will say that, like you know, if it's a thing where it's like understood and she's not a good driver, I don't know. But for that to just be the reason of I gotta go. David doesn't like me out after <laughs> sunfall. Yeah, Papa doesn't let me out whenever the moon's shining bright. But, <laughs> agreed. And <laughs> like, oh. you know what? That's probably another thing of. The middle-aged vaudevillian writers. Yep, yep. You know that one of them has cataracts. Yeah. And is like, well, <laughs> I know my doctor doesn't let me drive after dark. So maybe that would be something that she would put, you know? It's like, well, I was heading over to the Nickelodeon to catch the new Fatty Arbuckle kinetoscope. <laughs> but, you know, David doesn't like it. So I don't crank up the Model T as often as I'd like. Whenever we get home, we watch Mom's Maybelline. <laughs> And I have a goiter the size of a grapefruit in a jar, and I keep it on top of a television, and sometimes it talks to me. 
Yeah. And that was the original script. Fortunately, Allison asked for a rewrite. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, and this is how we talk when we hang out too. That's the thing. We are not. We are so not performing. Oh no. For, for the podcast, this is how we fucking <laughs> hang out. So it's like, okay, she got to go, and they're all like, oh, I wish you didn't have to go, Allison. It was so great having you here. It's great. I got to go. All right. Say later. Love you. Okay. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to a little bit later, mm-hmm. and Blair says, "Okay, Joe, we need to start getting ready for our big date." for which we've been seeing Blair fussing over, what do I wear? What do I wear? And Joe says, what? I'm dressed. She's in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Huge laugh. Huge laugh. And honestly, uh, earned. Because well earned. It was, it was really, that was really funny. And it was, it was the delivery. What? I'm dressed. What? I'm dressed. Just yeah. like very simply. And then just like the slow burn look between them and just yeah. like the stopping. I will say that um, these girls have really good timing. I, and I'm yes! and I'm sure that like you know in the first season there was learning curves and stuff. I know that I I remember again even though I I say that I haven't seen the show before, which I never have really sat down and watched an episode. I've seen things. Yeah. You know, especially since you started this podcast. And um I remember watching some clip from the first season being like, "Oof. Mm-hmm. This is rough." Yeah. And um night and day honestly uh, from yeah. that. And so um yeah, their timing sometimes Sometimes. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. I think it's often yeah. great, if not more often than not. It's I think there's a rare misstep when it comes to I agree. landing a joke that's set up. Sometimes the joke isn't funny, but the timing is still right. Yeah. I yeah. no no, I have I have great, great respect for all of them as comedians. Mm-hmm. And it's like and they're teenagers. Yeah. It's it's like even in season one. Mm-hmm. Kim Fields was ten, and she was landing shit that she the older really girls good. couldn't. Yeah, and I've I've said that a billion times, and I will never stop saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the girls are like, okay, they. So then Blair and Joe go out into the hallway, and Mrs. Garrett is coming out of her room, and she says, "Oh, so where's Allison?" And they're like, "Well, she left," and she's like, "Really? When did she leave?" <laughs> She left about an hour ago. Well, I think she forgot something. Dramatic Mrs. Garrett. Opens up her door, and the bassinet's in her room. (gasps) She left behind her baby. And there's like 25 seconds of awkward silence of them walking to it, looking at each other like, what do we do? And no laughs, no (gasps) nothing. Maybe a cough or two from the audience. Yeah. Slow. It's that sound of sitcom silence that I've talked about. Um, Which in the 80s especially just sounded like. Yeah, it's just this. Just yeah, like it's this just, weird, it's this white weird noise. hollow white noise of an empty room. Yeah. And um, but here's the deal. Just last week in the Natalie was almost raped episode. Oh. They put the fucking clap track in. Natalie is sobbing <laughs> oh, and no. says, Mrs. Garrett, I was almost home. And she hugs Mrs. Garrett, and the girls are looking on in horror, like, our friend almost just got fucking raped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost got raped. She's so strong. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, what the fuck? Maybe maybe they learned from that episode and they left it out of this one. Yeah. Like, she left her baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So left her baby good or left her baby bad? But it was so, uh, maybe. It depends. I don't know if if it's the director who chooses that or whatever, but we have similar, we have frequent directors here. It's not like a mixed bag. Right. I also find it, um, odd that they um, 
they just jump straight to, whoa, she abandoned the baby. I do understand, like, you know, a mom who just leaves without the baby. I get and doesn't it. say anything. It doesn't say anything. Sure. I guess you could, like, think that for at least a minute. Yeah. But I would think, at least in real life, I would rationalize to, did she say anything to you guys about leaving the baby? And she was like, you know what maybe, I mean? Maybe like, we misunderstood. Maybe yeah. there was something that she had to run an errand. I, You know, yeah. kind of one of those, well, I mean, it's her baby. I guess she'll be back. Let's wait and see. Right, but it goes straight to, she left the baby? DEFCON 5. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Um, so now we're in the commercial break. So this is the getting to know you section of my show. Getting to know me. Yes. I can't sing any more of that because it's copyrighted. I it's think. true. I would owe $15,000 <laughs> to the Rogers and Hammerstein estate. Um, so Wesley, we've already kind of covered your background a little bit, but mm-hmm. to, to James Lipton this and give us a quick uh, McTour of your life and career. Where were you born? <laughs> I was born and raised in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'm very sorry. Yeah. I, I would always say to people, I still say to people sometimes, um, I'm from Mississippi. That's the punchline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and often that works. Yeah. Oh, true. Um, so, I love it. And uh, so you were raised there and you lived there until? Um, um, you know, I, I lived there until I I started acting in theater when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Just like Kim Fields. Just like Kim Fields. <laughs> So you started doing theater yeah, at Yeah, I started age. doing theater at 10, and there was a lot of community theater, a lot of uh, some good, some very, very bad. And mm-hmm. you I, you would assume in South, South, South Mississippi. Of course. Um, grew that's up how about, you pay your dues, though. Right, exactly. Honestly. And that's how I learned. You know, I grew up two hours north of New Orleans and like one hour north of Biloxi. Hattiesburg's known as the hub city because oh, okay. it's in the middle of everything. Okay. You know, from the capital of Jackson, it's one hour, to Mobile, Alabama, it's one hour, to like, you know, Everything was like one hour. Uh-huh. So um, I did a lot of theater in that area. So then in like 2012, I did my first like real professional regional gig in New Orleans. And then I always wanted to move to Orlando because I'd come here uh, on vacations and stuff. Growing up. My mom was originally from Orlando. She grew up here until she was 17. Oh. And then her family uprooted to Mississippi. Oh, and, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. And so like we'd come back and when I was a kid and of course go to Disney and Universal all the time, but she would also like visit family friends and we'd go oh, to like wow. a church she grew up at, you know? And so I always knew Orlando. Yeah. But it wasn't until I started coming here by myself and I was like, wait, there's theater here? Other than, and I, I already knew I wanted to live here to work in the theme parks. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do since I was a teenager and I was acting and I was like, that's what I I want to go do before I go off and do other things, mm-hmm. especially. So um, it was like 2000, about 2012. I, I moved here and I did all my research and I drove down and I just auditioned for um, a couple things and I booked two shows, one at the Mad Cow Theater, one at the Orlando Repertory Theater. And, mm-hmm. and that show at the Mad Cow Theater was what show? Sunday in the Park with George. And uh, who played the role of Jules in that production of Sunday in the Park with George? I believe his name was David Almeida. He's fantastic. You know, he's pretty good. I've heard. Uh, and that's where we met. was and my first show in yeah. Orlando. I remember you were just this kid with long hair. And... My, yeah, my hair was down to my shoulders. Yeah. Now it's not. Now you're um, a hippie. Yeah, I was definitely a hippie kid. A little young millennial trying to be a hippie kid. Yeah, and I love that show too, Sunday in the Park. That was my favorite show, so I was happy to be in uh, in it. And I got to work with so many great people, people who've been on this podcast, like Megan Maroney. Yes, and and future guests are also, I'm working on, uh, who else was anyone else? Tim Williams. Tim was supposed to do it, and we had to... 
we had to reschedule and we haven't been able to reschedule. But our uh, director, the wonderful Tim Williams, he will be he will be a guest someday. He's he's aware yeah. of this show and knows I want him. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, and then you ended up fulfilling your dream of you auditioned for the parks and you got in. Yeah, it took me six years to get in at Disney. I got in at Universal right away, which is nice. I um so but, yeah, I work at Universal and Disney now and I'm lucky to also travel a lot. And do a lot of regional theater. Yeah, you've you've really kind of carved out a uh, the fact that you go off to do regional shows a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. You have your equity card, and you earned it the old fashioned way. I did. You, I got it from a real theater. Kids. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. It and was, I really built a um, a resume that I'm proud of and grateful for. Very grateful for. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I've just been lucky to do that, and I'm also just in love and crazy about um, old entertainment and... uh, yeah that was the next thing i i wanted to touch upon is the fact that you are a very old soul thank you and you are 26 years old mm-hmm. and yet you have an affinity for this old school vaudevillian comedy yes you are somewhat of an encyclopedia of understanding older things like the fact that you will make a reference to Moms Mabley, Gary Owens. <laughs> right. You right, know sure. who Paul Lind is. Oh, yeah. People him. who watch American Dad every week. Oh, yeah. And they see the no character idea. of Roger the Alien no don't idea. know who Paul Lind is. The only way that I can get people to kind of understand it sometimes, especially my age, is uh-huh. like, remember in school when they made us watch Charlotte's Web and he was Templeton the Rag? He was like, yeah. Charlotte, yeah. it says humble. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and kids were like, oh, yeah, I guess. Okay. You know, yeah. kind of. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that a lot of that came from my dad, um, just because he loved Three Stooges and the Marx Brothers and Abbott and Costello and oh, yeah. Skeleton. And I watched all that stuff, too. Yeah, and so I grew and uh, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, I am young to be a person that's yeah. into that. At 50, mm-hmm. that's one of those things where people my age don't tip, you know, people who are actors certainly... We need to have some knowledge of it. Or right. You, you, it's like, how do you perform if you don't understand? You know, I know so many people who don't. And um, it's something that I think that um, you do a disservice when you're just sitting at home and you're just watching The Office over and over, not knocking The Office. No. There's amazing comedic performances in that and stuff. But you're missing out on what made that show what it is. You True. know, I think that... And, that's why things like Facts of Life had such a – it was such a slow burn in terms of growth, in terms of what, what we find funny now and what comedy is now. Mm-hmm. And even in the early 80s, it was still very much delivered and performed in the same way it was delivered in the 60s and the 50s. Yeah. And, and vaudeville. You know, I mean, yeah. Charlotte Ray comes from that old school vaudeville and, you know. And yeah, so, the setup, the whole setup, punchline, joke. Yeah. And all that. But, so it all comes from that. Yeah. And the thing I talk about is the old Warner Brothers cartoon. We did not realize mm. that they were a masterclass oh, yeah. in old school entertainment and in pop culture of the 40s, yeah. the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we had in equivalent to that, to the Looney Tunes in the 90s, especially as a kid, was Animaniacs. Animaniacs, yes. But about Bugs Bunny, a lot of comedians, a lot of people say um, Bugs Bunny is the best actor they've ever seen mm-hmm. and it's so true and that, that comes from mel blank being the best actor yeah. anyone's ever known or seen um but you know the the in terms of comedy in terms of um just everything yeah. everything no you, you saw in bugs bunny i i was raised on it and mm-hmm. uh we really haven't even touched upon your fact that you are also not just a comedian musical theater 
uh, actor. You're also a puppeteer. You are yeah. a freak for the Muppets. I'm a freak for anything Henson, anything puppets, but especially Henson. And but. what is the Muppets, ladies and gentlemen? It is a vaudeville show. Oh, yeah, the Muppet Show, vaudeville. The Done. original. Yeah. That is like... That was and that was seventy nine. They were still mm-hmm. because we still had this old school show business and new yep. school. And who were their guests? You know, Ethel Merman, Joel Gray, Florence Henderson, Zero yeah. Mostel. But then you'd also have Liza Minnelli, Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. Gilda Radner, oh, Alice Linda episode. Carter. Yeah, Linda Carter. And it's like they would have current people, and then you know your Raquel Welches. It still was... Orson Welles, Danny Kay. Still like who they say Danny Kay. Um, I'm obsessed with Danny Kay. Yes. You I did have... a whole cabaret of Danny Kay tunes. Yeah. I... I'll post a picture and maybe a video. Yeah. Um, I did a, I do a tribute to Danny Kay show that I wrote and I put together with Christopher Levy and the Winter Park Playhouse. And I've been able to tour it around some places and that's been great. And I'm obsessed with him. But um, you cannot find uh, basically a single nice story no about him no anecdotes again i love him i think he's an amazing entertainer yeah. he did a lot of great stuff uh, apparently a dick yeah uh, you by know? all accounts not pleasant to work yeah, with. yeah jerry lewis also you know yeah i'm obsessed with all comedians who are in in the uh vein of uh gilbert godfrey bobcat goldthwaite nathan lane who's uh-huh. my idol um you know and so i always do a thing so um nathan lane Okay, so I have this on my resume. Nathan Lane impression is on my resume. Yeah. I always say, do you want Lion King, the producers of the birdcage? <laughs> and they'll sometimes choose, or they'll just go, give me whatever. Then they get all three. Yeah. And so, but my thing with Pumba Pumba, listen, it's Hakuna Matata, you know, <laughs> things like that. But the thing is, what I like to tell people is that basically if you use that same voice, you got Nathan Lane here, and when he sings, he has this thing. Yeah. And then if you really change it and just shake your head a little bit, it's, it's Paul Lynn. Yeah. And then if you do this and you add some lisping, it's Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, and oh, then oh. if you do this and you add a little, it's Edwin. Yeah. And it's like all these like fake. Oh, and then some Rick Taylor in there. It's basically Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like all the same, like not only type. Yeah, but voice, and I find Gilbert Godfrey to be in the same there. I know that I'm going on a tangent, but I also find that Mrs. Garrett is in, oh, the, yeah. is in the same voice, but you just had a little it's, bit of a wisp to it's it. It's very soft, and it's yeah. it's like that because she's a woman of a certain age and has a low woman's voice like yes. you do there, but she's still a soprano. When you hear her, she still can hit those high Cs. My God. So she's always moving up and down between her head and using her mixed voice. I and, love that. And, uh, and it's very soothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But comedically, when, when she's going up here, that's where you're like, okay, we could dial that back yeah. a little. Uh, of the many qualities I love about you as a friend is that we can go off on these tangents. And we have sat down on, uh, with, uh, in front of the TV, and we just pulled up a, a Liberace um, yeah. biography where yeah. we both learned things, but we're both like, he was awesome. I don't know why people think I'm gay. I, don't, I have no I don't idea either. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, I... Um... Heterosexual Wesley Slade, let's get back to... <laughs> but Just let's... to make that clear, everybody. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love pussy! <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, yeah. So we come back to the girls in the bedroom. It's like, what? Like we said, they went DEFCON 5. Why would she abandon her? Well, she left a note. And the note says, I'm going away. Please take care of Emily. Mm. And the funny, no one says she's going to fucking kill herself. Oh, it, you're it, right. It sounds to me like that that certainly should have been a, we just had a suicide yeah. a few episodes ago last yeah. season. If that was not a time to say, 
is she going to do harm to herself? Honestly, yeah. I, I did not think of that, but That's you are thing. right. You are right. Um, they didn't worry about that at all. They're like, what? how could she leave her baby? Yeah. What and a bitch. Mrs. Garrett has tried to get in touch with the husband, tried to get in touch with the parents. And it is interesting that she doesn't have a phone in her room. So she has to go downstairs either to the kitchen or to the pay phone. Did they have phones then? To make, phones existed in oh, 1981, Wesley. Okay. Yes, they did. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, two cans with a metal string. <laughs> and um, she, um, so the fact that there's not more of a sense of we need to wait by the phone in case one of them calls us back. Because right. she's supposedly put in calls and, and again, doing the privilege. It's like, oh, well, the, hu- the, the husband's away hang gliding or, yeah, he's hang gliding. Yeah, like Where are the parents? Oh, they're he's... off in Sicily or something. It was like everybody was gone. Yeah. And not reachable. So that was how we justified the fact that fucking nobody that knows her mm-hmm. would respond to a phone. And I would hope they're rich enough to have an answering machine, even though they right. weren't, weren't quite ubiquitous. But they probably had maids or butlers or something who would take a message. Anyhow. Um, I'm picturing Anne Reinking and Annie. Like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> I know that. I need another cigarette. <laughs> um, so the baby is acting really beautifully here. The baby actually is getting fussy and crying, which is perfect because they're like, okay, well, how do we deal with the problem at hand that we got this baby? And there's even lines about like, you know, um, oh, great, now the baby's fussy, which made me think, especially it being like 1983 or whatever, that they just like pinched it. Oh. (laughs) Because they were like... Ugh, fucking cry, you little stick, bitch. Stick it with a fork. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what I heard that, like, back in the day, we if have they no needed, needed kids. a baby to cry, they would, like, pin, they'd pinch it. <laughs> oh, no. And they'd be like, it's crying. Roll, roll. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's terrible, but probably true. Um, so they're like, all right, we're going to, um, we'll help out while we wait and figure out what's going on. So Tootie was going to go to a movie. Um, Natalie said she was going to study. She says, after I'm studying, I'm going to, I'll come back and play with the baby. And Blair and Joe are like, well, we're going to go off to our double date now. And very, very odd. Mrs. Garrett is like, oh, girls, what are you planning to do about the baby? And Natalie says, I said I would come and play with her after I study. Uproarious laughter. And Mrs. Garrett says, no, and she's playing it, this coy... Yeah, she's like smiling in a... Mm-hmm. Of a this baby was left in our house, so it's our responsibility. <laughs> and the, 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 it's like, or, Mrs. Garrett, you could say, all right, well, I'll stay home since I don't have any plans. Right. And since I got nothing to do. And since I'm a mother and I have raised two fucking babies and these girls have not. Right. I can babysit until we get that return phone call. Exactly. I can understand her being like, hey, can you help me out, change a diaper or something if I got shit to do? But to go, you need to cancel your plans. Yeah. All of you have no life now. Yeah. Very weird. I was like, I think she's lonely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, looking at the decor of that room, oh that's God. not a cry for help. <laughs> um, so then we move into the parlor, and Blair is telling the baby, ending a, a little fairy tale story time with Blair Warner. And, she's, mm-hmm. and so Prince Charles dumped his princess and married Princess Blair. So the royal wedding between Prince Charles and Princess Diana, was right. that, that was the year. So it was, oh, that was huge. In our cultural discourse. I see. That was a very timely thing. Um, We go through, uh, we basically just had this general scene of babies are difficult. And 
And this, I don't know how to take care of them. Yeah, we you are don't all... boil a diaper to sanitize it, Blair. Yeah, it's like and okay. Natalie has a funny moment where she's. I, I heated up the bottle and Tootie says, test it on your wrist. And she dumps it and the, the nipple is not attached. So yeah. Natalie dumps milk on her hand. All of her hand. Very funny. And it's very funny. And there's a great slow burn where she looks at Tootie. And Tootie has a great straight face. Just like mm-hmm. no, like nothing. Yeah. But Natalie's like trying so hard not to laugh. Yeah. This is like a little hard. This episode is a Mindy Cone step back. Because Mindy has been getting really good at keeping her... her Poker face. I thought that I, I thought I literally thought I was like they must have been playing around. Before yeah, this, this scene pr- or she was having a little more fun than usual. I literally wrote down Natalie's got the giggles. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of Natalie has a lot of good laughs and a lot of good abilities to react, and you can see Mindy Cohn is fighting it, and we've yeah. not seen a lot of that lately. She's really been getting better, but yeah, you know, we'll give her some slack. We'll cut sure. her some slack. Yeah, and, yeah. And last week, almost raped. Yeah, so, um, so I guess she can, she deserves a laugh or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing is that babies are difficult because they cry all the time. It's like, what do you do? Does the baby want a bottle? Is the diaper dirty? Well, we they clearly pinching those fucking babies. We didn't. We didn't stick a fork in this baby because they had clearly hired a, a voice actress. <laughs> And well, that was the thing. It was such like a drastic, sudden change from they had this baby kind of crying and cooing, and like you heard him in and, the previous scene. The baby did really did cry, and even early on in that same scene, like mm-hmm. when she puts the baby down, she goes, and that's the story of the whatever. And the baby literally just goes, blah, blah, blah. she yeah. goes, well, I liked it or something like that. Yeah. And so then, like you know, five seconds later, we hear, yeah. And it's like, oh god. It's a, uh, it's a little, uh, yeah. A little I like fake. to think that that was uh, Charlotte Ray. Like with a microphone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, because Mrs. Garrett is not there because she's off buying diapers. That's when we finally figure out where the fuck is Mrs. Garrett in oh, all of this. Right. She's off buying diapers. But in the meantime, they need a diaper. So <laughs> Tootie, Natalie's in the kitchen heating up another bottle. And very funny moment. Yeah. Tootie comes down and says, I didn't have, we don't have diapers. I took Natalie's pillowcase. Uh-huh. Not mine. Yeah. Not yours or Blair's or Joe's. And Natalie's like running around doing all their bidding. Like whatever she wants with the milk, with like, go get this, go get that. And she even says, oh, go do this, Natalie. Yeah. Go do that, Natalie. Yeah, you're taking advantage of my maternal instincts. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. A good, uh, good delivery, funny line. And then, yeah. So what, um... Ends up happening as she brings down a pillowcase with Sean Cassidy on it. Uh, yeah. Another huge star. He was yeah. so big right then. Yeah. And so they do, they put the diaper on, and then there's the visual joke of Joe picking up the baby, Sean Cassidy perfectly on the baby's ass, mm-hmm. and then Natalie has the slow burn of, Which how could you? Yeah. <laughs> Which, and then, I, by the way, fucking awful friends. Awful friends. It's like I could, you could have grabbed Blair's or Joe's diaper and said, "I seek your consent to use your diaper." Yeah, and it's like why, you know, because it was just comedically contrived, right? But right. funny, but funny. And also, though, um, again, Natalie, she, when she's doing her slow burn and turning around, and the audience is losing it, you can see her try Fighting not it. to laugh Fighting so bad because she knows this is funny. Yeah, um, but she still does well. She still does well. She does. Um, and then the scene ends with Natalie bringing in another bottle and uh, a bag of Oreos. And she's like, you're not going to feed the baby milk and cookies. And mm-hmm. as we have often said, no fat jokes about Natalie, but always food jokes. She yes. says, what do you mean? The cookies are for me. <laughs> you got a problem with that? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so there we are. Now we move back into Mrs. Garrett's room. It's late at night. 
the baby is asleep and Mrs. Garrett is asleep and Joe just walks into the damn room. I'm fucking creepy, honestly. Wait. I mean, I understand that they probably have like a, you know, an understanding. Hey, girls, if you have a problem in the middle of the night, yeah. come see me. But like, she just wanted to go in there and see the baby. I couldn't sleep, so I just wanted to check on Emily. And she, what she does when she walks up to the crib or, you know, the, the bassinet, whatever, sat on a table. Yeah. Um, she like walks up to it and she's supposed to accidentally bump it and wake up the baby. And like, it looks like she just walks over and just like fucking shoves it. <laughs> I was like, I heard a smooth bump. Not. Uh. It's like, oops, I didn't mean to wake you up, Mrs. Garrett, except I totally did because that's what the script said. <laughs> and Mrs. Garrett does wake up. And thankfully, we are keeping consistency in the Facts of Life cinematic universe, mm. or as I call it, the FOLCU. <laughs> Mrs. Garrett does say, when my sons were small, I would often wake up in the middle of the night and want to check them. And it's like, good. Because we've met Alex. Okay. I don't know if we've mentioned Raymond yet. We know Raymond will appear magically at the beginning of season five okay. to to uh, create Edna's edibles with her. But she does say my sons, plural. And that's good because we know she does have two sons. Yes. Uh, I wrote down sons and husband. Does she? Did, do we know anything about like her husband? Yeah, or we met happened? him in season one when he okay. came by and wanted to remarry her and taught Tootie how to gamble. Oh yeah, played yeah, by the yeah, wonderful yeah. Robert Alda. I love Robert Alan Alda's dad. Yeah, um, he was Sky Masterson. He was. You see, you know that shit. That's yeah. the type of thing that you know as an actor. You also know a lot of Broadway stuff and musicals. A and, lot of musical stuff. Yep. Don't know why they think you're gay. I don't know. Don't I know. Don't, I don't get it. Um, there is a moment before. There's just general. Why would Allison do this? But at one point, everybody comes in the room. There's this general. Oh, we wanted to check in the big door. Oh, we couldn't sleep either. Oh, no. Blair is wearing a bathrobe, but when it, we're in the wide shot, she has got on what looks like. Black tights and silver pumps. Not not pumps, but, you know, like sand, silver sandals or whites. It's like... There's a little something for daddy in it's, there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, are you little Edie Beal or something? Are we in Grey Gardens? What the fuck is with the black tights and the light-colored shoes or the shiny shoes? And yet the full-length robe, like, did they think that was going to... Yeah. What, you wouldn't have barefoot and slippers or just bare feet. Yeah, it's, it was weird, very weird. Just want to point that out. Um, then we move on to our final scene. We're in the cafeteria, and the girls are all kind of huddled over, and uh, it's daylight now. And Mrs. Garrett does sort of like, oh, well, it's light out. It's after seven. Anyone in the mood for breakfast? Mm. And my first thought was, yeah, the entire Eastland school is probably in the mood for <laughs> breakfast. As we forget, there is an entire school. We because later, there's no way, there's there's nothing. I know you've talked about this before, that really shows you. I, I didn't see any students walking around. No, there there's none of that. And I know that they've done that before. Yeah, and it, I'm sure it happens more. But like. It, if I were just as I was, mm -hmm. uh, just a random person watching a random episode, I was like, um, this is like a boarding house that she takes care of these girls. Maybe they're even foster kids. I don't know. Yeah. You know? And this baby, or earlier, this baby was left in our house. Right. So it's our response. It's like, not technically a house. Yeah. Not technically all yours. Also, what you, would happen if these girls just walked away? What would you do? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the authority figure. And yeah, these girls do answer to you. And you are responsible for them, but 
to impose baby care on them was yeah. that was just the continuing the weirdness of that earlier scene. Yeah. But my thing is like it's we later discover this is Sunday. So this episode is takes place over two days. Yes. So yesterday was Saturday. That's why the girls were sitting around picking out outfits. But here's the thing. I you know, I know from being away at college, it's like People eat seven days a week, three meals a day. <laughs> right. If you're working yeah. in the cafeteria, you still would have duties on the weekends, assuming we're seeing the scenes that kind of intermingle around them. But this is a big no. It's like if it's 7 a.m., you probably should have already been scrambling some eggs and um, yeah. making some orange juice well, about an say, hour ago. She said something like, and this was like one of her, like again, big lines of the show. I felt, I think I'll make some cocoa. <laughs> And it was like, and I wrote down specifically, cocoa. <laughs> wow. So yep. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, um, so then finally, uh, oh, they say the baby had, had them up every two hours. And mm-hmm. then Allison comes back. She comes in and turns the whole fucking show into the Iceman cometh. I yeah. We we are now in a fucking drama. Oh man. Uh wow. What a, Where what have a... you been, Allison? Where were you? I was out at Cooper's Rock. Oh, that place we mentioned earlier that you had run off to when you were you know, when you were a teenager two years ago when you were here. Again, didn't occur didn't, to anybody to go there and see. Oh, that's fair. I didn't think of that at all because I don't remember that's where she said she ran off to. I didn't remember that. But when I heard Cooper's Rock, I just assumed, oh, you went to stand on the edge of a cliff because you were about to jump off uh, of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, wow, read the room. Yeah. Once, we've, we've said that before, ladies, read the room. Um, but she said when she got into the hallway to go retrieve Emily, she realized she was alone. For the first time in my life, in how long I've been... First of all, baby's only six months old. Yeah, I'm, I was alone. I was alone. Next thing I knew, that whole thing, I was in my car and I was just driving. And, you know, so um, Blair lays into her and says, oh, yeah. you know, when you used to go to school here, you taking off on these adventures was fine, but this is irresponsible. What kind of mother are you? <gasps> I'm a good mother! <laughs> You have no idea! Do you see this baby crying? I'll slip my wrist right now. I know, stop. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll kill both of us! <laughs> you shut your whore mouth! <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I, was, I mean... I, to, to the dialogue, down to it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it becomes... And also, even whenever Blair's like lay, laying into her... I was even like, whoa, you need to back the yeah, fuck up. Yeah, you're you're tired. Yeah, you didn't sleep, but fuck, girl. Yeah, you know. um, and what ends up happening is she kind of has this monologue of Ode to the Abandoned Young Mother, mm-hmm. where David's always off doing school and other stuff. So I feel trapped, and I love my daughter. I just wish she happened later. Yeah. And part of it is like, so is this episode trying to indirectly be a don't fucking get pregnant as a teenager, or this is what your life could be? Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it that way just because I wasn't watching the show in terms of thinking that there's a lesson necessarily for everything. You know what I mean? I was looking at it as a character study in, in a way, but even still, whenever she goes off on this, like, uh, well-acted 
yeah. monologue. Honestly, a good monologue yeah. for uh, any any uh, actresses out there looking for just some random ass oh, yeah. dramatic monologue. That's good. It, it would. It's sitcom. It's yeah. sitcom good. I mean, it's good for an audition for yeah. you know some random theater. But um, yeah. for then um, Mrs. Garrett walks up to her after she gets done with this whole thing and just goes, "We understand." I know. It's all right. Yeah. And like, that was it. And it was like, okay. Yeah. She just poured her guts out to you guys. And, and all you can go is go, there, there. Yeah. Mrs. Garrett is exceedingly empathetic. Yeah. Because you assume, well, she she's the one who's raised kids. She knows and she gets it. Here's my issue. We, I keep coming back to, it is very clear. She comes from a place of privilege. Uh-huh. And therefore, it's like this sense of... Uh, feeling trapped it's like i'm fairly sure that if you went to your parents and said i'm really having trouble adjusting to this could we hire a babysitter or even a part-time nanny to help me out right if, if you could maybe cut your trip to the alps and to yeah. mount kilimanjaro you know, you're right i do wonder i mean maybe this is reading a little too much into it but i do wonder if it's a thing of her going okay now i'm with this like rich family and stuff and i or like whatever and i have to step up and be a mom and especially when you're young, yeah, um, you you do take that that kind of stuff and that kind of responsibility on yourself and go, okay, then I'm not going to talk to anyone about it. And I'm just going to do it because I don't want anyone to think that I'm making excuses. I don't want anyone to think I yeah. want to show that I'm an adult because I went through that. I yeah. definitely I definitely remember doing that um, to varying results. Yeah, <laughs> well, that would have been interesting for her to say um, explicitly. I'm trying to keep it together and put on a good face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, because of societal stuff, because right. of, yeah, I did get married after we realized I was pregnant. At a very young age. At a very yeah. young age. And uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep up with it. Even if she said, um, and all my parents do is remind me of that. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, not the parents who bought her the condo, but the parents who um, she feels constantly judged by. Right. And then she could say, and I go to these play dates with other moms and I can tell they're so much older, and I see the way they look at me. Right. And they tell me what all I have in store for me ahead of how many headaches lay down mm. the road. This could have been really interesting, organic, and applicable. Ah, oh, you're right. You're right. Right now, what we have is a very young white girl of privilege complaining that the last six months she's had to put up with the tedium yeah. of. Of caring for her own child. And just like not sleeping enough and not being alone. It's like, well, that's being a mom. Sure. Yeah. And and, and and we know postpartum depression is a thing. That's uh-huh. not, I don't think we're there. I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, I mean, again, I don't know. I was dead. Was um, that really a thing that people took seriously back then? No. Yeah. No. It was absolutely not. It, it was a thing no one even really acknowledged it existed. Right, right. Um, so where it all comes down to is, oh, and another, <laughs> they're very empathetic, uh-huh. extremely, and then it's like, there's a sense of, but now I see, I'm not sure there really was a, but now I see the error of my ways. Did she even say I shouldn't have run off? You know, it, it was, it happened, that was the thing. Whenever she uh, finished her monologue and she goes, we understand, you can tell that it was like, it was the end of the episode and they were wrapping it up. Yeah. And so I think that she, it just like wrapped up so quickly that, um, the only excuse that she really gives of a sense of understanding what she did was wrong is uh that she says, I just needed a last look back. And then she killed herself. No, that's, that's what I have written down. Like, we'll be terrific. I needed one last look back 
and then she kills herself. Yeah, and, and um, that's that's it. The idea she of, says it so wistfully and sad, yeah. and I'm like, oh god, she's still not in a good place, guys. Yeah, <laughs> the the being at Eastland reminded me so much of the carefree life I used to have, mm-hmm. and I just needed one left. That was really what was motivating the yeah. the abandonment and then change of heart. Yeah. So, um, she did leave. Still, you know. Yeah. A little sad. There's, um, what well, Mrs. Garrett does say, you have a lot of response. I'm not going to do her. You have a lot of mm. responsibility, but, um, you had your baby early, but it's, you're, it, you can still always dream. You still have a life ahead of you. Right. And you have fucking privilege where you can probably do oh, God. any goddamn thing that you not want. Not you're like 17 and yeah. you have like, what, you wait three years? Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> even if you're, even if your parents aren't supportive or whatever, if they wash their hands of you. Your husband's about to be a doctor, so yeah. gravy train's coming, girl. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. But she says you have a lot of life ahead of you. And uh, Blair even sort of is like, now to get Blair to soften, is like, I can come and help care for her and stuff. And I'm like, no, she can hire a goddamn babysitter. Yeah, yeah. She needs an afternoon <clears throat> off. It's well, like, she does the whole uh, thing. She goes, I'll come to New York and we can take her to the park. No. We'll take her to Bloomingdale's. That's right. Blooming- Natalie's like, Bloomingdale's? She's only six months old. And together they say, you're, you're never, never too, too young to Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's. Yeah. And suddenly, oh, <laughs> everything is okay. Oh, God. Because they're girls and they like to shop. Yeah. Um, and oh, and they're privileged, fucking rich white girls, and they love to shop. Nothing yeah. more hilarious. You say as the veins are popping out of your head to the to the gig economy of 2019. We find that fucking hilarious. Um, and uh, we have oh, the other thing is sitcom trope. Um, Joe, I'll go get her. I'll go get Emily. I'll go mm, get the baby mm-hmm, for you. Mm-hmm. And then when Joe reappears, she comes out of the parlor. It's right. an extra room over. There's an archway, not even a door. Yeah. So it's like um, that would a more if that's where the baby was. It's like here you go. Yeah, it would have been like, like oh baby, it. it's literally point. She's over there. Yeah. Go get her. <laughs> not I'm going to make a, a I'm going to make a, a an event out of I'm going to get your baby I for you. I just needed five more minutes with your baby. <laughs> so um, that's where it all ends, and then we do have the um, Blair may have yelled at her. And she mm. may have yelled back, but we're still friends. Well, Blairy Pie, Allykins. Mm. <laughs> Stop. And then the final moment. Weird Mrs. Garrett. Everything's done. Mrs. Garrett stretches. Oh, well, girls, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. Um. <laughs> Huh? Did did you want to look out the window at least and acknowledge yeah. that the sun was shining? It, and it was so weird because like then like um what's her name? Mom leaves and she shuts the door and there's just some silence and then she says that line and it's like she's trying to like change the subject, brush it under the rug in some way. But it's like what more is there to say? I don't know. Like yeah. uh, well, what she ends up with is she says it's going to be a beautiful day. What are you going to do with it? So then you're like, oh okay, this uh-huh. is kind of her saying. Did you girls learn anything from this? Yeah. As far as you do, it is so easy for a teenager to forget how precious time is and how fucking great they have it. Oh, man. I mean, again, I know, like, I mean, whenever I talk to any of my older friends, even friends who are like four years old, anything, I'm like, God, I'm getting old. But it's in the sense of like... um, 10 years ago, when I was 16, mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I know, like, in, in so many ways, ugh. Um, but 
Um, when I was younger, even like 10, 11, 12, I could not wait to be older. That's one reason why I was like oh, so... Oh, all kids are like that. Oh my God. I mean, you want to be bigger. Wait. You want to be... Yeah. And I would lie about my age so I can get parts in the community theater and I would like lie. And just yeah. Like, no, I'm older. Girl, I want to go out with who's three years older than me. <laughs> um, and so uh, I get that, but man, it's so true. And, and it ends with them sort of like... Mm. Ah, and, and Joe's like, I'm going to fix my bike. I'm going to work on my bike. And, and Natalie's like, well, I got to study. And Tootie's like, I'm going to do this. And then says, what about you, Blair? And the last line of the show, I don't know. That's the thing about Sundays. You don't have to do anything. Like a fucking, again, like, like a Thornton uh, Wilder, like, I don't know. like uh, oh, th- oh my God, that's so perfect. Like just a Thornton Wilder play. You don't have to do anything light fades Fades. and you're in a play where people don't know if it's over yet you don't have the sign to go applause yeah so it's whenever the the rights rise for curtain call that you go oh yeah that was the end of the show (laughs) yeah it was so it's just so weird and such a oh yeah it's such a there's a lot wrong with this episode because i feel like they gave like the show to the writers up until when the bad mom walked back in and they're like, okay, now give that just to Jerry over there. Oh. And Jerry can write the end yeah. of the show. And then he wrote that and they're like, oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah. Wasn't he just on medical leave for, yeah, yeah, just a suicide attempt. No problem. Yeah, I'm sure you know, he's in a better place now. I'm sure he can write a very good scene. He said something about wanting to do more serious work. I don't know what that's about. But. <laughs> yeah. Hating this sitcom shit, I think is what he said. <laughs> Anyhow, Wesley. Our time has come to an end. Say it isn't though. I'm I'm so happy we were able to sit down and, and get to do this. I say to everybody, I hope it's not the last time. Yeah. So thank you again so much for being here. Thank you for doing this. And yeah. uh, we will, uh, I will see you very soon. Because yeah. we're about to actually just hang out, hang out. Yeah, we're about to just chill. Let's because we do haven't it. done that enough. Let the podcast end. Let the hanging out begin. Goodbye. And there you have it. That's Wesley Slade. That's my friend. Uh, I've been getting in the habit of adding a lot of extra commentary at the end of the show and kind of talking a lot about the points I didn't remember to make during the whole thing. And I'm like, uh, they're getting longer and longer. And I'm like, okay, I need to not do that as much. Starting next week. Right now, this week, there is a point I did want to make. We were suggesting... Uh, that it could be either Nancy or Sue Ann could have been the girl that came back to school with the baby. Um, One thing I didn't think of, if it had been Nancy, the father of the baby would have to have been Roger. And somehow I don't think that Roger was medical school material. Uh, I think they would have had to rewrite that. And of course, Sue Ann, we know Sue Ann, she very clearly stated in the sex ed episode that she was waiting for marriage. So the likelihood that she would end up in a shotgun marriage is pretty slim to none. Anyway, thanks again to Wesley for doing the show. Next week, I'm going to be watching Season 3, Episode 4, A Friend Indeed. And my special guest is going to be Logan Donahue. Thanks so much for listening to this show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by David Almeida. That's me. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. 
Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, videos, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media under the handle facethefactspod. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tune in again next week and every week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.